the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 217. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Good to have you here as always. Thank you. Now, for those who don't know you, maybe you can just quickly fill in the audience on uh, where you fit into the tech world here in New Zealand. No worries. So I'm a, one of the two directors of a software company called 3Bit. We've been around 10 years, actually, this year. We're going to be oh, 10 congratulations. years old. Exciting. And we do all sorts of custom software stuff. So we do a lot of zero stuff and a, whole, a lot of API work and CRMs and blah, 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 blah. So I do that. And I'm also one of the moderators of geekzone.co.nz, which is, I think, the still the largest technology forum in the country. Technology site, I actually think. Largest one in New Zealand. I might be wrong, but I'm going to run with it anyway. Yeah, I think you're probably right there, Nate. Uh, well, great. Well, thank you for joining me. Now, let's jump in, first of all, with a New Zealand story. There is a little uh, drone company down there in Raglan. Raglan, of course, not being an area that's usually the home of tech startups, more known as a place to go for a bit of surfing, bit of beach time. But we hear that Aeronavix have just about hit 200% of their uh, funding goal. They've been seeking some crowdfunding and their target was 750000 They opened it up and had a maximum amount of one5 that they were willing to uh, make available in terms of crowdfunded equity. And they look like they're just minutes off from hitting that uh, $1.5 million um, you know, stretch goal there. It says they've reached 199% of the original target. This is pretty exciting, isn't it? It is. I don't know a lot about the snowball effect because this is probably the first time I've come across it. But I see this is very different to your Kickstarter, which I think is the, the world's most well-known crowdfunding platform. Whereas this one, instead of just getting a product, so I think the most popular product on Kickstarter must be wallets. Everyone's designing the next best wallet. Um, <laughs> have you bought a wallet from Kickstarter? I have been looking at wallets. I bought one on Kickstarter. Yes, I, know. I can't remember where it is now. But there's so many wallets. But I think the difference with this is with Kickstarter, you actually get a product. Whereas with the snowball effect, it seems that you're getting shares. And from what I can see, your total base that you're owning, with along with everyone else, is 8%. And the, the total or the highest it's going to go is 15%. So it's not a massive chunk of the company, but yeah, it's, it's still better to have, I think, a small part of something big rather than having a lot of something that's worth nothing. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, this concept of, you know, raising equity this way rather than going through the challenges of a share market listing. Yeah, it definitely has some merit. And especially for that smaller sized firm, which is, you know, certainly where they fit at this stage. I, I mean, Aeronavix have been you know, around for a few years now and doing some pretty cool stuff. I mean, they, they list NASA, Disney, DreamWorks amongst their customers. They've been involved in you know, their footage used in varying sports events and movies. So they're not doing rubbish stuff. They're, they're getting out there. They've, yeah, they've been winning some good business. I think the figures were that typical sort of drone product sells for about twenty thousand US dollars a piece. So this definitely isn't the toy drones that we're used to seeing and playing with. They're very much you know, focused on the um, the business industrial markets, and you know they see a huge opportunity. I guess not only in New Zealand but globally around the agriculture and farming sector, which yeah makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You can uh, save having to go for a cruise on your quad bike to have a look at your uh, stock, and you can send a drone out to help that. It's pretty handy. Especially on some of the much larger farms, it makes sense to be able to do something by air and instead of having to do it by helicopter, which is obviously very expensive with 600 or $700 per hour fee that on a helicopter's charge 
or they run at. Um, you send out a little drone and you can quickly see a, a sort of guide's eye view of exactly what's going on. Um, and flying them into things like mines, you know, the, the challenges with getting into uh, mines when there's a problem and there haven't been always been very good robots around that can get in, but a smart enough drone that's not going to hit the floor, hit the ceiling, etc., that can sort of navigate itself around, has the right sort of uh, lighting or infrared sight could be pretty handy too. You really wouldn't want to hit the ground or the wall if it's costing you 20000 US, would you? be a very expensive mistake well yes yeah well it could do and, and especially if you're in a more expensive one but mm. uh, yeah even 20,000 well I don't know it's like like the cost of a, a cheap car yeah fair enough you know fair enough so uh, and I wonder if we'll have a second hand market on trade me for all these two year old drones that are uh, now old technology and they were 20 grand and they'll be popping up for next to nothing I like how they said in the because they've got a little intro video they said that their footage is being used on MasterChef and not, I'm not normally a big reality TV fan, but I am so loving the MasterChef Australia at the moment. And I know they're using drone footage because I've been sitting there watching it. You can it, sort of see it looks great, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it just adds a, a another aspect. to it. it makes everything seem grander when you're up a lot higher. And yes. sort of, yeah. 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 So have you had an interest? Have you sort of been tempted to buy yourself one of these little quadcopters or, or toy drones? Uh, no, I have to say no, I haven't. But my business partner is is hell bent on getting one. To the fact where had some other stuff last year of his research, he, he, we sort of ran out of time. But he sort of suggested that because every year we sort of get ourselves the company buys us Christmas presents rather than buying each other. And drones was by far. I think he'd been talking about it since April last year <laughs> of wanting to get drones. And I'm I really don't care if I'm honest. I'm not a big aviation fan. I really like technology and I like seeing its effects. But owning a drone myself, I don't I don't know. It sounds like a very expensive toy that I wouldn't really use that often. Yeah, I was asked to try and uh, bring back a drone from CES. And yeah, I actually, in that case, decided against it. And that might not be quite the right place to uh, be trying to twist people's arms because they're not really there to retail the products anyway. But certainly a great place to see them. What I did grab the other day, just a little bit of a toy to play with, and my four-year-old son is really into it, is one of these little sort of pocketable remote-controlled helicopters, which is sort of, yeah, it's considered a sort of drone. We've apparently got dry, gyros in it and so on. And it was, I think they were selling them online for 25 bucks. That's uh, not bad. From Dick Smith's. Yeah, just to fun, have a little play with it. But after a few minutes playing with that, yeah, I can definitely see how much fun it would be having a full-blown drone of, of sorts. That's super if, smart. I wonder if they'd have a drone that would have a BB gun on it. And the reason I ask that is because three years ago, we bought two helicopters. They were brilliant. We bought these two helicopters in the office, and they had BB guns on them. And we would, we'd fly around the office with these two helicopters firing BB guns at each other, and then they ended up breaking and blah, blah, blah. So maybe a drone with a built-in BB gun that we can have office battles might be keen. Yes, until someone retrofits the BB guns and, you know. It escalates into, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, real office warfare. Yeah, you'd want to be a bit more careful with your office politics in that case, wouldn't you? Mm, could be a good way to get rid of hawkers, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, this one's pretty exciting. And I hope at some stage they'll let us have a little bit of a look at some of their drones. Now, this afternoon we heard from the security company and antivirus uh, firm Kaspersky that apparently the NSA, the US-based National Security Agency, has been infecting hard drives with some software, some firmware, that can effectively implant uh, spyware into a a computer. This sounds pretty nasty. It's very scary, because I remember I was reading this earlier this morning on one of my feeds, and there's two of the strategies that they discussed, which 
I, I was amazed about the first one was the USB one, where even if, if a device never touches the internet, the it can be sort of copied onto a USB drive without the person knowing. So the fact that when they plug this infected USB drive into the machine that's on the internet, it can then run whatever commands it needs to, download the information it needs, and then when it gets plugged back into a computer that's on a network, it can then send off what it knows. That is incredibly clever. That was the first thing that scared me. The second one was the fact that it can install itself on a hard drive in such a way that when you scan um, using whatever antivirus or, or spyware software you're using, it's so embedded, it sort of sits in a, a part where the, the software can't get to. So it sort of sits there and the antivirus goes through and says your computer's clean when really it's not. The little bit of malware or whatever you want to call it is still sitting on the hard drive completely out of reach. Of it the- does seem like the thing of science fiction, doesn't it? You see these movies and, you know, there are just often really sort of silly looking circumstances where somebody plug something in in such a way or they grab a cell phone and then they do something and supposedly they've just downloaded a whole copy of everything on that cell phone, all the photos, or, yeah, they put a drive next a uh, uh, USB into a computer and, and suddenly it's got, you know, all the data and a you know little thing pops up on screen that it's copying. And, yeah, there are these things that, that just always look silly, but what we're talking about here sort of in some ways makes it look as though some of these ridiculous uh, scenarios could actually be possible. And the fact that it was... It was discovered on the guy took home a disc from a conference and somehow the, the malware had got onto that particular disc and whether the person writing it had an infected machine that wrote to it or whether the disc already had it on it when it was shipped and then the person writing it inadvertently added their legitimate content alongside this malware. It's really quite scary stuff. And the fact that most of the stuff off the shelf isn't going to be able to detect it because it's it's so well designed. There's some very clever people behind this sort of a, attack stuff, but I, I suppose it gives you a glimpse into what uh, global espionage is actually like and, yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's somewhat worrying. I hope it's being used only for good, but it does leave you concerned about what else goes on with these sorts of things and what happens when this type of malware maybe gets into the wrong hands and is, is used in a manner that it wasn't intended for as well. But I think people also don't realise that when they use online services, they don't realise that their data is, for example, every time you use a Google search or using Gmail or Office 365, all those services are located outside the New Zealand jurisdiction. And so if, they, if the US government did want to access your data, they could quite easily um, subpoena Google and get access to it. So really the only way to ensure your data stays here um, and is safe, and I put safe in sort of inverted commas, safe from anyone having a look at it is really to host it in New Zealand. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I know for us, we've got a couple of government clients and a couple of medical clients, especially where that data sovereignty is a big issue for them to the fact that um, we've got quite stringent agreements with them that says, yep, we're happy for you to host our data. However, you guarantee that not only the data is not going to leave, but any backups of the data are not allowed offshore, which sort of um, pigeonholes us a little bit when we're looking for um, cloud services like running them off of Amazon out of Sydney, which we've got a lot of clients on. Yeah, it just requires that we've got to keep their stuff here because yeah. the government and medical. We're starting to see, uh, I guess, a reduced concern about that, which is is interesting. I guess it's because, in, in general, people don't consider uh, that the US government is going to go after that type of data and there are other things that are maybe much bigger concerns from a security perspective. And yeah, you know, I can I can understand yeah why people would be concerned, but 
you've, I guess it's, it really comes down to, well, what's the risk and what would be the consequence if the US government, you know, what's the risk of the US government going after my data? And if they did, you know, what, what would be the impact of that? Mm. Um, so, yeah, and in, and in some cases, absolutely, that's, that's not something that's worth, uh, worth considering. Uh, but certainly, yeah, for a typical small New Zealand business, it's probably not something that they're going to be uh, going to be too, too really focused on at, that, at this stage. No. Um, but talk, talking of that, um, interestingly enough, Microsoft uh, have been working on uh, updating their uh, um, their Office Online product. Uh, so they've been uh, working away behind the scenes, and they've got a, a new version now. Um, much much like what we see with Google Apps, uh, with these cloud hosted. Uh, web apps. What tends to happen is really these up these things update themselves automatically, and uh, yeah, sometimes you don't even realise that there's been an update until you you notice a particular uh, change. See, this is one of the bit, the amazing things about us moving to the, the cloud, and is the fact that you can, you know, zero is a classic case of it. Um, you're not having to keep updating your software and run updates or upgrades, and then the upgrade doesn't work. Cough, MIB, cough, um, because you've, you're too many versions <laughs> behind, so they force yep. you to, to jump through hoops. It, it's really nice that they look after backups. Not saying that cloud has no disadvantages, because there are. Um, they look after backups and things like these upgrades, because you're paying a monthly uh, maintenance fee or, or, or whatever you want to call it, subscription fee, sorry, um, you get these sort of things for Essence Free. You're not having to, to do any upgrades. It just all happens magically as you sleep. I'm a big fan of cloud if you haven't got that already. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean it's it's very much the way the world is going, and I, you know I talk to a lot of people about cloud who are maybe a little bit uh, reticent to uh, you know to move in the direction of of cloud based computing, and you know I think that the story in most cases is that well you know certainly for uh, for the typical New Zealand business uh, that maybe has a, a bunch of sort of servers and infrastructure today. Uh, over time, it will be at a point where it just wouldn't make sense for them to uh, to have that. And usually, it's a transition. It doesn't all necessarily happen in in one hit. And uh, you know, more commonly than than not, uh, businesses will start with the with a particular function like email and put that in the cloud before they do with uh, with other capabilities. Um, so on that front, Microsoft, of course, um, Microsoft Office. Has you know has been the product that most businesses use for their word processing and uh, spreadsheets and and email and so on for a, a pretty long time now, uh, and the uh, the online version of of that um, is uh, yeah is bumping along with with a, with a few updates. Uh, it's got a pretty nice user interface, I think. You know, it, it closely aligns with the latest version of Microsoft Office, which people seem to have got used to with the. Um, the, the the ribbon uh, style toolbar and uh, yeah they've they've dropped in a bunch of features there's there's a there's a fair bit of info online if you're interested in this um, but if you are using it uh, you'll you know you'll you'll probably uh, notice over time that just it gets to the point where more and more of what you would do in the desktop apps can actually just be done uh, di- directly on the web which is pretty handy if you're you're on a different computer than you're uh, normally using and you want to get some work done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's Microsoft Office. Now the other uh, the other thing from Microsoft, and we've got um, one I've been playing with here is uh, Windows Windows Ten, which came out um, in the last few few weeks um, in a in a preview sort of format uh, to to run on your your PC, your laptop, your tablet, etc. 
that's now available uh, for a, the bunch of the uh, the Nokia Lumia uh, smartphones. So I've got here a um, a nice Lumia eight thirty uh, from uh, from Microsoft, and this one has on it the uh, the new Windows ten. It actually looks reasonably similar. Um, now you've you've looked at Windows uh, Phone eight point one before. Um, you can see. Yeah, very very similar sort of look with this uh, this new version, but quite a few changes behind the scenes. Uh, they're tidying up uh, a bunch of things like their uh, their settings, which was a, a horrible uh, area to get around. Yeah, it's a lot uh, smarter and uh, sleeker now. Uh, their notification uh, area is um, is much more powerful, and you can swipe things off. You can reply to uh, to text messages. Uh, right there in the notification, you've got a much bigger block notification area if you want to sort of um, fold it down. Um, and one of the little things that I quite liked is when you turn the phone off, it gives you, you know, normally you just, you know, you just see your phone go off. This, when you turn it off, it just reminds you of the next thing that's in your calendar, um, which I just thought was, cool. was just a, a, a very handy little thing um, to get that reminder. Maybe your phone's going to be off for a while, mm. but uh, yeah, maybe you turn your phone off at night and it gives you a little reminder that, hey, 7 o'clock in the morning you've got that breakfast meeting or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, just it's um, yeah, a reflection of that ongoing sort of competition between um, the varying vendors that we keep seeing these uh, smart little features uh, added on, a, on an ongoing basis. Pretty cool. Hmm. Um, now, what I would say is I wouldn't recommend anyone put this on their primary phone. Uh, I'm primarily on the iPhone uh, 6 uh, this week, and I'm using the, the, the Lumia um, 830 on my, um, on my Spark SIM, and it's working reasonably well, but I've certainly had a few, uh, a few oddities with it as well. So, uh, yeah, my, my recommendation for anyone that's got... One of the uh, the phones that takes it is uh, yeah just be just be a little bit cautious if you really need your phone to be working perfectly all the time. Fair enough. Um, right now, moving moving on, a few other bits and pieces that we've had uh, lying around here. Uh, Nate, a couple of products from uh, from Parrot, who of course we know for their um, um, their their little uh, drones. So Parrot are, are well known for sort of Bluetooth uh, type. Products, uh, drones. Don't they do the in-car, in-car Bluetooth here? Uh, not headsets. What do you call them? Speak. Um, you know, the if your if your stereo doesn't support having a Bluetooth headset in it, you, you attach it. Went the Parrot ones. The yeah, yeah. Bluetooth? So pa- Parrot Parrot have made um, the Bluetooth um, headsets f- uh, for a long time. They also uh, have a really cool uh, head deck coming later this year for. Um, for in-vehicle use, that supports um, both um, Apple CarPlay and uh, and um, the Android version for um, for cars as well. So there, yeah, there's some um, there's some good stuff from uh, from Parrot. Uh, but what we've got here, a couple of products uh, that we've we've finally got our hands on. Uh, one of those is the Parrot Zik Two. Now, I'll be having a bit more of a play around with this over the next few days. It's only just arrived today. Uh, but, Nate, you had a look at these, um, these fancy headphones, uh, and Gadget gave the, uh, 
the title that these were uh, they they called them the um, the the world's most advanced headphones. Now, they, they definitely look pretty cool, right? They look very cool. Um, if you like a very um, I'm a bit of a headphone buff. I've got a ridiculous amount of headphones. This is right up my alley. Um, they look very stylish. Uh, if you like a very light headphone, um, this is definitely not going to be for you because they are on, a little bit on the heavier side, I think. Um, it is really cool, the fact that the noise cancelling uh, turns on when you put them on. Like, you give it two or three seconds and then you, it clicks on to silence. But um, if you've never used noise cancelling, if, if you fly often, you need to get noise cancelling headphones. They are the most amazing thing. Um, that's really cool. And the, the gestures on the side, the fact that they don't have any buttons, you sort of, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, so you just sort of, you know, you can you know swipe your finger to, uh, to or you can tap in a particular place for uh, uh, volume up, volume down. Uh, that's a pretty natural positioning, and then you can go yeah forward and and, and back a track. There's also uh, apps for these for your smartphones, so you can uh, you can control uh, you can control them. Now the reviews I've been le- reading online sort of indicate maybe the battery life isn't you know super awesome in Bluetooth mode, so that's something to be aware of. They do advertise on the box six hours over Bluetooth. Uh, about a two and a half hour charge time, which is a, is a reasonable chunk. Yeah. Uh, but when you turn off the Bluetooth using the noise cancelling uh, with the cable on them, and I guess that's the sort of thing you would you would use on a on a long flight, uh, they're saying that that can do um, in the direction of eighteen hours. Yeah. So that could be uh, could be quite nice because definitely you know on a long flight it's nice to have a good set of uh, noise cancelling headphones. Oh, it totally is. Um, do you, do we know what they're worth here? Uh, in the, around the seven hundred dollar uh, New Zealand dollar range, uh, which I think four hundred US is is the typical price there plus tax. If you don't, um, so if you never buy headphones, including. you'll think Jeep is seven hundred dollars is quite a lot for headphones. And I've got a pair of uh, the the Bose Quiet Comforts, which tend to be the sort of industry standard for um, noise cancelling headphones for high end noise cancelling. Yeah, for headphones, high end, yeah. and they cost me six hundred. Um, so when you do get up to this high level, the thing to sort of keep in mind is that um, you are buying a, a premium product. And the nice thing is that um, once you buy it, as long as you know you look after it, they will last you a long time. And my recommendation would be, um, if you like these headphones, try them on, and they will be worth the, the $700. Um, cause, and yeah, worth, you'll, worth you'll having a look so at the easier. online reviews as well. There are varying reviews around you know, some of these products. Um, but the the Zik Two has a really unique look and um, and style to it, doesn't it? Um, in fact, the designer's name is uh, is on the front of the box. There, it's it's, it's um, yes. So um, it's a very, very fancy box too. Yeah, yeah, nice nice product. So I'm looking forward to having a little bit of time with them. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for something a little bit unique and uh, uh, unusual, you like something a bit more. Styly and classy than the typical uh, headphones. They they definitely uh, have their own character to them, don't they? And it has an app. Like holy moly, you can get an app for your headphones. That is ridiculous. Yeah, you can adjust the uh, the noise cancellation sort of uh, level and so on. So you've got a. I think there's a there's a street mode there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite cool. So you can sort of adjust it uh, up or up or down accordingly. So very very nice. Crazy. I wonder if it can make a good coffee as well. Now, um, one other piece of tech that uh, Parrot have um, have let us have a play with is Parrot Flower Power. 
Now, Nate, what did you think this was when you uh, when you first saw this? Now, it, uh, when when it's put in its um, box, it does. Um, You've basically got these sort of green uh, sticks that coming out of a, uh, a what looks like a little flower pot. Um, could you could you it did looks, you figure what what it was to start with? No, to be honest, it looks like I would have thought it was some sort of covert listening device or maybe some sort of covert wireless extender. I didn't realise it was a. Well, may, maybe the police will use it for that because as I was googling uh, for the parrot flower power. Um, earlier i came across one of the suggestions was the parrot flower power and cannabis um so there may be some uh, um some interesting uses for this well for this product if you're one of our listeners out of uh, colorado obviously or as everyone knows it is very legal there so. well that that is, that is true so um so without further ado what is the flower power um all about um basically it's a um it's a health sensor for your for your plants. So um, you plug it into the soil where you've got uh, your plants, and we might actually try that around the office to see uh, if our, if our plants do a little bit better. And then uh, you tie that back to your your smartphone, and you get an indication on on things like the uh, the soil, how uh, the moisture, and uh, whether you maybe need some plant food and and so on. That's um, that, that's my quick understanding of it. Yeah, it um, does, does moisture, does light, temperature, and monitors fertilizer. Yeah, so um, so we'll have a little bit of a play around with that, and um, we we will see whether it will um, whether it whether it actually does help you have a have a greener thumb than you might do uh, might do otherwise. I don't have a green thumb at all, and I really don't think a product like this would help me <laughs> whatsoever. I, <laughs> I am far past the point of being helped. I reckon. Well, we will, uh, yeah, we'll see how we, we go with this one. So, uh, yeah, but it, it's, I guess it's just good to see the variety of new sort of, um, you know, technology that, that's coming through that maybe, you know, does, um, you know, more, more unusual things than what we've seen in the past as far as, uh, tech gadgetry is concerned so uh yeah quite quite pleasing to see it is a cool little bit of kit and they have packaged it very cleverly i have to admit i might actually yeah i'm gonna take a photo of it actually very cool now um we heard recently that um file sharing company rapid share is going to be shutting down now rapid share nate you must have heard of rapid share in the past yeah so rapid share is pretty much an online um the most annoying thing with RapidShare is if you ever try to find a driver or some other obscure file, um, it'll be on RapidShare. And, and correct me if I go wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple of different account types, isn't there? So where you can well, RapidShare was a little bit like Mega Upload, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Right. So, but then they didn't they change? I'm sure RapidShare was one of the big file repositories that changed after the Mega Upload raid, and they said instead of you being able to like I could upload the obscure drivers for my um, PC and then I could share the link and you can download them. Didn't they change it so that only I could download the files? Like you could only use it really as an online backup service. It stopped being sort of a distribution because I think they got a little bit anxious about possibly them being targeted. Don't quote me on it. I may be completely wrong. Well, the news is if you are storing your files on there that you will uh, you will have to stop because... Uh yeah, word is that they're going to be uh, they're going to be shutting down. So uh, in the not not too distant future. So yeah, you've got till uh, till March the thirty first, which is when they uh, when they close. 
So I guess that's uh, that's a business in the post sort of mega upload world that uh, that no longer works. Oh well, it's fun when it lasted. Mm, mm. Um, now other uh, other bits and pieces we've got. We have. Let me find it here. Um, a new wearable. Now this to me sounded a little bit unbelievable. Actually, Nate, uh, this was on uh, on fa- Fast Company. And it's described as a new wearable uh, that zaps you. Um, and the idea is that it helps your brain or helps you to focus or relax. And some of the descriptions that I've read on this sort of, uh, um, I don't know, might, might compare it with, uh, with a coffee without the downsides to give you a little bit of a a kickstart uh, or uh, maybe a glass or two of wine without uh, without too many negative side effects. Um, what's your thoughts on this, Nate? Does it does this sound like reality? It sort of uh, it just sort of sounds too odd to be true. That um, yeah, you could uh, you can wear something on your on your head that will uh, will do this. As, as someone that owns a cafe, I have to say that uh, coffee probably has the best stimulation effects, not being biased at all. Uh, no, seriously, it, yeah, I, it sounds very strange. Imagine if this thing malfunctioned and, and like zapped you, then you woke up like an hour later after it knocked you out or something. I, I don't know. It sounds all very sci-fi. and It sort of looks like, um, what's that website, that, uh, The Onion, you know, where it posts things that aren't really quite true. It, yes. it, it does read a little bit like that. But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when I read it, and um, the comment from from Fast Company was that they hadn't tried the device to test whether it had the results they were they were told, um, but apparently, uh, you know, it's it's not too far off being being in the market. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll we'll watch this. Uh, you should stick. We'll watch, watch this space, but you know, it could be a lot uh, a lot cheaper than uh, than coffee, or um, or certainly than than alcohol if. Uh, if you're a reg- regular partaker, how how what would this do to uh, to the cafe industry in New Zealand, Nate? If, oh, it could uh, have you could get an electronic fix instead. Could 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 be a detrimental effect. I say that sort of jokingly, but I I, I know um, coffee and cafes are so part of our, our culture at the moment, especially to um, people's uh, what do you call it? Um, not rosters, but what they do in the morning. So they'll do the same. Um, things they'll 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 go to the office. They'll check their email. They'll fire a few replies. They'll they'll see what else is coming up, and then they'll um, yeah come down for a coffee. So no, it doesn't really worry me at all. Um, if I'm honest, Paul, it all yeah still fit into cafes. I think are so part of the um, morning rituals. That's the word I was looking for. It's so part of our morning rituals that I think it would take more than a little shot behind the ears to to change that. Again, I have a vested interest in this whole industry, so absolutely. Yeah. Oh well, we will uh, we'll get you to spare more about that another day. Uh, now, what what about this conviction that's uh, that's just happened uh, in the US? This is a conviction related to uh, to mega upload, and this has been sort of covered uh, all around the, the the net, and uh, you know many you know much of the media has included. Uh, pictures of of Kim dot com, obviously is the founder of Mega Upload, uh, and we're we're told that um, uh, one of the uh, one of the developers, uh, Andrus Nom, is um, and I may have got that pronunciation wrong, uh, but he's the uh, the the first to uh, to plead guilty 
and uh, basically accept a prison sentence or receive a prison sentence um, in relation to his involvement with uh, with mega mega uploads. So uh, yeah, this is um, is this a, is this a big big surprise? It sort of came a little bit out of the uh, blue for me. He was originally arrested, uh, I think, in uh, in the Netherlands in two thousand and twelve. And um, then, um, yeah, he uh, they were trying to extradite him for some for some time, and uh, now here here he is, and he's uh, he's he's pled guilty. Does does the net or do the Netherlands have an extradition uh, treaty with the US over copyright infringement? Because I know that we don't, and that was one of the big things about the Kim dot com case is the fact that they couldn't get him on copyright. So they've been trying all sorts of other ways to to extradite him back to the US, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the details on that, but um, I know that um, Ira Rothkin, who was, um, you know, at, he was at the Kim dot com uh, mansion when when we went there for the launch of uh, of of Mega. Um, yeah, he he was, was yeah certainly been uh, been been speaking about this on the radio and so on. Um, I think he he called it a uh, Hollywood style publicity. Uh, stunt, and they were be able to taking advantage of um, uh, this individual sort of poor uh, financial state. And uh, you know, Kim dot com says this um, this developer is uh, is, is innocent, um, and and yeah, tweeted uh, uh, in those in those regards um, last in the last few days. So, I, I would have thought in the Netherlands don't have an extradition treaty. So, if, as long as he wasn't planning to to head through the US. Um, he would have been fine, but may- maybe they do. Oh, I think a lot of the a lot of the Euro- EU companies will uh, com- companies uh, com- countries. countries are um, you know will will have those sort of um, mutual agreements with, you know, to and from the US. The size of the case that's going on and the the, the um, not excitement, but the the effort that the US is going to get Kim dot com. I think a year is probably a um, a very light sentence for this guy to have so he probably had a plea bargain and said look I'll plead guilty and I can yeah as Kim.com tweeted I can get on with my life mm, mm. Uh, now a couple of other things uh, on the Apple front we've got uh, Kiwi Zane Lowe who's uh, he's been with um, he's been a, a radio DJ for uh, for BBC Radio 1 for, for many years uh, he was originally on uh, Music TV here in New Zealand Max TV um, and uh, part of a and involved with with some music groups here, uh, Urban Disturbance, way way back when. Um, but this is a, a, a Kiwi who's who's done extremely well uh, in the UK, and um, they 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 say that you know he he is was uh, um, a help to um, artists like uh, Adele, Ed Sheeran, and the Arctic Monkeys in terms of um, them making it big. Uh, through the coverage that uh, that he gave them, um, a you know, hugely uh, you know, inf- influential uh, musician um, and and you know radio presenter, um, but he's been picked up by Apple and uh, he's uh, he's set to head to uh, to the US, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, I was reading that article before about um, how popular Apple. They're calling it Apple Radio, Apple. Well, there's there's iTunes there's iTunes, iTunes. radio which, which hasn't been particularly uh, successful, but of course Apple bought uh, yeah Beat, Beats Audio uh, last year, and oh. that's where you know that's that's where they're expecting him to uh, 
to 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 land on that sort of side of things. I don't know a lot about this sort of area, as you know, a bit of an Android fanboy, and the sort of Apple stuff is a little bit over my head. Is I don't really have any Apple devices, but I was amazed the guy was a Kiwi. I had no idea. Left New Zealand ninety seven from what I was reading, and then pretty much skyrocketed up to being on BBC Radio One. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Taking over the world. Yes. So, um, so yeah, good, good to see uh, Kiwis, uh, Kiwis doing well. Uh, and then the other news around Apple has, uh, has really been around these, uh, these rumours that uh, Apple are going to launch into the car game. Now, I think this one's actually pretty exciting because, uh, you know, we've seen Apple get in and disrupt you know, a, number, a number of industries, right? And Everything they touch. They have a very high success rate when we look at how they've gone in you know, music, starting with the iPad. Uh, then they decided, hey, we're going to get in and, and launch a, a phone. And you know what they produced in the iPhone was, you know, was very, very different to anything that any of the traditional you know, f- you know, mobile phone companies had come up with. Uh, iPad now, yeah, is it uh, is this the next thing for them to get into? Um, into cars. Well, look at look at us um, on a completely different scale. Look at what Tesla's been able to do with their um, electric cars. To the fact where uh, Elon Musk announced the other day that they're looking at very similar to how the Nissan Leaf, you can actually take the battery out of the Nissan Leaf or, or something or rather, and uh, use it as another power supply for your home. And Tesla's looking at doing uh, sorry, Elon's looking at doing something very similar to Tesla. So if you can imagine, this is what someone who's completely outside. And a much smaller player than Apple. Imagine what Apple could potentially bring um, if they decide to expand into that. And I think the success that they've had with the iPhones is extraordinary because they've been dictating to the telecos their terms, not the telecos dictating the other way around. And for someone to have a device that's so desired by consumers that telecos want it and will sign over just about anything to get it is an amazing shift in power in that relationship. So... I think very ex- if the the rumours are true and it does look like Apple is going to get into vehicles, um, it is certainly going to get these incumbents like your Fords and your GM and your um, you know Hyundai and and all those other ones. It is going to turn the industry on its head and, and give them a good run for their money. I think. Well, there's just so much uh, strength in the Apple brand, isn't there? That uh, the, the brand itself is is disruptive. That you know people will look very carefully at any product. Uh, that that they come out with, and you know, I think there would be a huge amount of interest, and if they could pull it off with uh, you know the the level of success that they've had in other areas, then uh, this would more than justify uh, their their current share price, which has broken you know all records. Uh, you well, know, they, they're, they're, they're now the, you know by far the the biggest uh, yeah uh, company. Uh, market cap that we've you know we've ever seen. They they turned over the last uh, what's it the last quarter was they turned over more profit than any company in the history of the world has ever turned over. That's just ridiculous. Um, and they're they're on their way to being a trillion dollar uh, company. Yeah, I, I wonder uh, if it's pretty nuts. I wonder if the vehicle and uh, there's a bit of controversial thought. I think um, in my mind, Tim Cook, since he took over as CEO, hasn't really disrupted as much as Steve Jobs did when he was at the helm. So I wonder if this is going to be his project where, you know, Tim, Tim's been with his, you know, the iPhone's gotten bigger and, and more features, but there's nothing really that's been like completely sh- 
throwing the whole industry up when Steve was at the helm. So I wonder if this is going to be his legacy where he's going to get in and completely flip this industry upside down. I, I don't know. I just, I think as, as a CEO, he hasn't been, and obviously huge shoes to fill, um, but I don't think he's been as successful as the previous CEO. So maybe this is a, a, a chance for him to prove himself. I'd, it depends how you. I guess it depends how you measure it. I mean, if you look at how Apple are doing right now, they're uh, yeah they're they're doing very very strongly in terms of their sales, uh, their market share. They're actually pushing Android backwards. You know, Android had just been growing and growing and growing. Uh, you know, that's that's flipped around to uh, you know to a to a fair degree. Um, yeah, not to say Android's not uh, you're not still uh, yeah, growing in terms of uh, number of devices sold and so on, but uh, you know in terms of market share, Apple's done very well, and and from a profitability perspective, they've been able to do that without launching any budget, low cost, you know, low no profit uh, smartphones. Yeah, which you know the, the Android uh, and you know and Windows Phone, you know the bulk of the phones they're selling tend to be cheaper phones, so. Uh, yeah, I would I would argue Apple's uh, as successful or well more successful than they've they've ever been. Certainly, when you look at the numbers, but you're right from a disruption perspective. Um, there, well, we're looking forward to the next thing, and uh, yeah, obviously we've got watches that are coming coming soon. True, uh, that's, that's part of the picture. Um, hey, if, if cars are on the uh, are on the agenda, then uh, I think that could be pretty exciting. Hey, well, that's us for this week. So, uh, hey, thanks, everyone, for uh, for listening in. Thank you for joining us. Now, Nate, where do we track you down online? <laughs> World's the easiest person to find on Twitter. So I'm just Nate, N-A-T. Rhymes with Kate is the one I've been using lately. Just think it's not Nat. I don't know why people go N-A-T. It, there is an E on the end. So please put it on. Um, and I also blog. I actually just blogged today about um, uh, 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 Poly, uh, which is the online payment thing. So I blogged about that today on Geeks. Poly. Polly? Is it Polly? Polly? P-O-L-I. That's the one. Uh, blogged about how I didn't think it was a good idea. So um, have a read. It's on GeekSense. Well, it puts you at a, at a bit of risk using that, that service and giving them your internet banking password, basically, isn't it? It's like sharing it with a with a friend, which it breaks is. all sorts of rules. And uh, yes. And yeah. I'm a developer by trade, so I understand how you could... And how they could intercept details and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, read my blog post. It's on Geeks and it's on the front page at the moment. Or you can get their blog.3bit.com also forward C. So those two are probably the best way to see what I'm up to. That's great. That's great. Well, you can track me down uh, online at Paul Spain on Twitter. Uh, I'm across the other social networks if you would like to get in touch and and ping me, LinkedIn and the and the like. And uh, yes, I have a, a blog there on, uh, on GeekZone too. Uh, techjungle.com and uh, paulspain.com is uh, is my personal site. So, hey, thanks everyone for listening in again. We will catch you back next week with a whole bunch more news and opinions and other bits and pieces. Thanks. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications. Data networks built for business.